0: This is Joe Cole, and you're listening to the London is Blue podcast.
1: All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, my host, Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, we have the Preston North End Match Review. Our entry into the FA Cup, Nick, is off and running. Second domestic trophy on the line. How are we doing?
2: Good. Yeah, I mean, this is, uh, you know, in a year where you don't have any European football, uh, to, to speak of these cup competitions feel more important and more special than maybe they have in, in a little bit of time. You know, I think obviously when, when you're in Europe, the champions league takes precedent in in your whole thoughts and feelings, but, uh, I think Chelsea have a huge opportunity, uh, in both cups this year to get back to some winning ways, to lift some silverware and, Nice, you know, I, I like the I like the third round of the FA Cup a lot, Dan, because it does give you the giant killer moments. And we saw that with, I think, uh, Maidstone yesterday and, you know, Wrexham beating Shrewsbury. And there's it, this is always a fun round to go through and look at the results of. And you're like, oh, man, maybe you can play a League Two opposition in the fourth round. Who knows?
0: Maximum chaos to start the new year. That is exactly what we got in this round, though a lot of Premier League teams were able to get it across the line. Uh, not necessarily all as good as the way that Chelsea did, at least in the second half, though, Brandon. So ultimately, there were a couple of 1-0 wins for teams like Aston Villa that, you know, I'm sure they appreciate it. But this it was just, you know, we, we phoned it in. We did the group project at the at the last couple minutes of it. We got it done. We got a good grade and we move on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. But hey, we're we're all about completion, right? If uh if we're taking everything as pass fail, we'd be in a good spot right now. So, obviously we've got a lot to to break in on this one. Um you know, we'll 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 get into it definitely, but I always love these these matches when I think it's easy to do the three word match review when it's an established team, a Premier League team. We know them, we have history, context. Preston North End. A, Bit of a challenging match. Like, let's see what the people had, Dan. This is pretty, pretty
0: interesting. And Megan with second half sparkles. Matt with we scored headers. Yes, very true. Chris with the still checking offside because, boy, oh, boy, that was quite the long check for a pretty Three obvious onside. hours later. Exactly. Bones with the hold, the criticism, and a bunch of exclamation points. Blue Co. International. I don't think this is the official account, Nick, but they tagged you directly with the one half wonders.
2: (laughs) That was my favorite of the whole bunch. It was so good. Jesper
0: with the Bing X era incoming. That's right. A little new sponsor, Momentum. And then Ollie with, I think what was most important, in the hat. That's all I need to be, in the hat.
2: Is that why you're wearing a hat today, Dan? Is yes, that your- in honor of
0: the fact that we are in the hat. <laughs> so
1: look, uh, there's a lot there, right? Because we don't have the traditional kind of getting stuck in. I I watched back the ESPN highlights because they have the rights for it, and the Enzo goal, they showed it. They didn't show it, that it was a var, and they just went to another clip, and all of a sudden I missed that I actually went from three nothing to four nothing. Like I just as I was watching it, anyways. Uh, more on ESPN coming, but uh, just lowest bar possible for them to cross. I put lower division struggles. Nick, I feel like you played baseball. Am I right? Oh yeah. You ever get, day, to, baby. ever get to that situation Are we seeing like an MLB where <laughs> they have to put like a, an outfielder to pitch and he's just lobbing in meatballs. But <laughs> yeah. the players, the batter struggles cause they're used to seeing 80, 90 mile an hour pitches. This is like what it was like. They're in the championship mid-table, but like we struggled with the lower division style and pace, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, Funniest. Anyway, so I went lower division struggles. What about you?
2: Crossing can work as a theory. We don't have to walk it into the back of the fucking net all the time. Like big tall striker, ball in, header. Hooray. Well, (laughs) broya, big body. That that helps. Or as okay. Kieran Gibbs would call him, the big lad up top. Oh, so there you yeah. go. What there about you, you Dan?
0: Go. Advancing was everything. I think there's a lot. Uh, uh, look, the whole the criticism, I think, actually is exactly right. Look, we seem to advance. Just get winning. Just become a team that wins. Like, I don't care if it's pretty. I don't care if it's ugly. Like, just win. Just win. So advancing was everything. Got it done.
1: Absolutely. Well, we obviously want to shout out everybody in our community, Nick. We always appreciate the five stars and so many different things we got rolling these days.
2: Yeah, look, guys, obviously uh, you make this show. We have some really important announcements coming your way. We've teased you for three or four years now about these, but uh, that's going to happen very soon. Promise. And uh, to do that and be around for that, hit us with a five star. Give us a little bit of love on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. Uh, we're going to be hopefully doing a lot more on YouTube in the in the future here. Uh, if you do want to join the dispatch, Sam is cranking out some really great newsletters every single week. Um, this past week was, was particularly important as you look ahead to the rest of the month. And then of course, if you want a kind of deeper connection, uh, our discord community is out there. If you want to, you know, chip in a few bucks and and support the pod that way. So, lots of ways you can do it. Many of them are free. And uh, look, we have Dan and I just did the the pod schedule coming up that we'll talk about. It's five pod weeks from here until uh, the rest of the year. Basically, looks like
0: packed. So, it is a packed. packed- podcast calendar. Ahead.
1: All right, get involved plenty of ways, but let's jump into the meat of this one. It was Preston North End this past Saturday, the 6th of January in 2024. I don't know about you, but I've miswrote uh, the year about three times already. And uh, it was the yeah, FA but- Cup at Stamford Bridge. In case you missed it, Chelsea 4, Preston nil. Scoring, um, 50th minute. We had to wait a little bit. All right, a little bit. Broya though, getting the flick on header of the back post. 66th minute, Tiago Silva rising high like a young spring chicken. Uh 69th minute, Sterling. And then last but certainly not least, Enzo in the 85th
0: minute. So, Dan, run us through the lineup. Look, it was a big George between the sticks. I feel like this was a George performance, so we'll go with it. It was. Out. It doesn't have the lineup exactly correct because it was Malagusto, Levi Colwell, Axel Dessassi, and Alfie Gilchrist as your back four. Um, Enzo Fernandez, Moises Caicedo as your midfield pairing, Mikhailo Mudrik, Cole Palmer, Raheem Sterling, and Armando Broya as your attackers on the day. And again, Pochettino saying five subs. No problem. I got you. Got all five out in this one as well. He had Tiago Silva come on for Gilchrist, Nani Madueke coming for Mikhail Mudrik. That was in the 61st minute. It was another double change in the 78th minute. Or sorry, 76th minute with Conor Gallagher coming in for Cole Palmer and. Davide Washington coming in for Armando Broya. That's right. Oh, uh, Presidente. And then Michael Golding coming in to get a Cobham uh, appearance right there uh, in the 89th minute for Enzo Fernandez. Full so, debut, uh, unused, baby. Let's uh, oh, go. We love a debut. We love a debut here. 17 years young.
1: More to come on that. So Chelsea had 70% ball possession. We had 24 shots, 12 on target. Uh, we had, let's see, seven big chances. Six missed, hit the woodwork once. Uh, only one counterattack, which really, are we that surprised? Probably not. And then uh, two saves for Petrovic on the day. Uh, the XG, thanks to ad XG philosophy, was Chelsea 4.35 to Preston's 0.44 uh, dominant. To say the least, and then our one random stat from Adopta Joe's: two after just one of his first 168 goals in English club football had come from such a position. Raheem Sterling's last two goals for Chelsea have both come from a direct free kick—a little bit of a quirk. All right, Nick, you normally do your MPET shit some mode in the match. You weren't going to do it, but I had to remind you that you got uh, shit house yourself a little bit on social media yesterday.
2: Well, look, I new year, new me. You know, everyone knows that I'm I'm turning over a new leaf, softer side coming out. Uh, But first, uh, there's been been a few uh, tweets out there. Uh, Everyone's doing the flying high at 39 years old. Bleacher Report looking at you on that one. Um, Thank you for for the copy, although I did have LeBron James in mind, so I feel pretty good about where I'm at with those two excelling in their respective crafts uh, with Silva and and LeBron James. Uh, But look. I'm doing this one time and then we're going to get back to the shithouse the rest of the year. Uh, the best thing I saw instead of the shithouse moment of the match, the Gianluca Vialli tributes that happened before uh, the match today were, were, were fantastic. I mean, it's obviously hard to believe that it's been a year already, um, you know, and, and it's, yeah, I think you, you kind of remember back to that time last year, which is in the midst of a lot of chaos at the club and a lot of turnover. And, that sort of stuff and that was kind of a point where i think everyone came together um again and uh you know rallied around viali and remembered you know his contributions to the club and uh, you know it, if it really uh it, i think you struggle to find someone who's maybe more universally loved um for for what for what he did during that time and so uh, you know, just a massive respect to him and, and still thoughts with his family and uh, great job to everyone who put the banners together in the stadium and who did the Viale chance. And uh, it just, uh, you know, I think FA cup in particular is a really great uh, occasion to do that. in. so um, look, we're back with shit house next week, but for right now, that was fantastic.
1: All right. Well, with that being said, we're going to take our first segue When we get back, all about the results so thank you to sponsors and we'll be right back all right a return to the fa cup for those of you that don't know fa cup top of the pyramid of football down to the bottom the lower divisions play and now the big leagues in quotes jump in at this point in time whereas the carabao cup we get in a little bit earlier so fa cup a lot of tradition here gentlemen a lot of history with this one and uh it was a friendly draw, you know, Dan. I just think back to a year ago when we got Man City double draw and the domestic cups. I don't feel bad for Arsenal Liverpool playing, right? I'm like, about time we get back to normalcy, playing a smaller division team, and it's championship, so it's not like we we're playing, you know, the North Central Conference or something like that. Like we're we're in it, and uh, it. Well, we haven't played Preston. We haven't seen them in over a decade either, have we?
0: Well, this is a more commonly played team, you know, in the 19... That's right, you got to start with a 1-9, not a two zero. Oh, the nineteen 10s, 20s, 30s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. Like, we have to go back to a little bit um, before any of us on this pod were alive and walking this earth. To even you, talk Dan? About, even me, that's even right. You? Okay, Even me. But the kind of lifetime... In between the two sides, 32 wins, 17 draws, 26 losses. But the last loss that we actually had to them was in 1981, when we actually were both playing in League 2 at the time. It was a 1-0 loss away. And, uh, yeah, first time we played them since 2010, which was also an FA Cup match of 14 years. It was a 2-0 away win. And... Yeah, I mean, it's exactly what you would expect. It's a side that wants to come in. They want to play big. They want an opportunity to try to upset. That's what the FA Cup and these tournaments are all about, is playing the role of spoiler. The magic of the yeah, FA Cup. Yeah, it's the damn. magic of the FA Cup. It's a fun fun thing. And to Brandon's point, absolutely deserved a little bit of draw benefit from the gods of football so that we could potentially at least (laughs) advance into some deeper rounds. I mean, we got the luck with the Middlesbrough draw heading into the Carabao Cup semifinals. Let's get a little bit more luck this Monday when we get our draw against, hopefully, another side that should be easy pickings, Nick, for this Chelsea team.
2: Yeah, look, I mean, this, this fixture is something that Chelsea just move through, typically. I mean, third round of the FA Cup is just something that we typically do better in. Like, obviously, last year you had the unfortunate circumstances of playing man city in both the league cup and the fa cup and of course at that time we were playing like shit and didn't advance but typically this phase we've actually been to a third round fa cup game um i think twice um for january trips and we've been over there it's it's a lot of fun i think it's you know it's right after the holidays there's still kind of a, a good atmosphere around and it's you know the opportunity to play someone new and this was you know and we're, we're kind of thinking about Preston North End like yeah, they're in the championship they're not likely to be promoted so it's not like we would be you know kind of destined to see them next year. but you know I, I think the importance this year is that we advance as far as we can in the tournament and you know there are already some you know some teams like Arsenal uh, who will not be advancing in this year's tournament. And so you do have an opportunity potentially to, to go a little bit further and, and see what you can do. And, yeah, eventually you're going to play, you know, the big Premier League squads because most of those typically advance. But uh, I think it's incredibly important to take this seriously and to advance as far as we can because uh, it's more matches, it's a chance to see as many players as we have in this squad, assuming that some of them come back healthy at some point, Brandon. And, uh, you know, it's silverware, and we gotta we got to get back to winning silverware.
1: Yeah, care about the League Cup, care about Cup. We we always have been talking about this season is like the statement piece. The FA Cup would be an even bigger trophy to win, an even bigger statement. So of course it's great to get off and running, Uh, and also from Preston North End's perspective, they only made two changes, personnel wise, from their last championship match against Sunderland. so this was pretty much full strength for them. The big change from them, no surprise. They went from a 4-1-4-1 4-1 to a back five, right? They played uh, essentially a, a 5-4-1 uh, in attack, however you want to kind of split that there. So no no surprise there, but, like, they went for it. But what was different about this one is it, uh, it was a big day for Cobham, which you always love to see when there's chances to to embed these players in, young players, um, especially because we had injuries even more. And the excitement was Alfie Gilchrist getting the start. It was his first senior start for Alfie. Uh, we've seen all the hype videos and the photo of him underneath the JT banner was iconic. No pressure, kid. But again, oh, yeah. it was just, you love to see it. Those are things that warm the heart and and you want to see. So uh, Alfie got to play. Was it uh an earth-changing performance no but that's okay didn't cost us got 60 minutes dan and he had some pretty good stats along the way against the championship team which i think phil at chelsea youth would argue a lot of these players are at least at that level
0: 100 tackles one hundred percent dribbles completed 94 percent pass accuracy 79 touches 62 of 66 passes completed Two or three long balls, two of two ground duels, and two clearances. I would say it's a pretty good stat line. Also, I mean, if you think about the first half of the match to the second half, again, he, he didn't get the full day out, right? Tiago Silva comes in to replace him uh, partway through the match from the 61st minute. So, I mean, it's an opportunity for him to get out, to stretch his legs, to test himself a bit, and, you know, looked comfortable in the side, didn't look like he was having much of an issue. Again, if you think about maybe the first half though, I mean, we only faced two total shots, two on target. It was not a whole lot for him to do, but I mean, when you don't have necessarily a, when you have a lot of the ball being comfortable, being composed, being able to, to look the part, I think Nick is just about as important as maybe like not making a mistake Like, I think that, like, the fact that it was mistake-free football is actually probably the thing I'm happier about, given the competition Alfie and the team were up against.
2: He was our best player in the first, yeah, in the first half. I mean, and that is more of an indictment on the rest of the team than it is on, on him being great, but he was the only one not making mistakes. Everyone else was just not up to it in the first half, and so... Uh, I, I was really happy for him. I was kind of surprised he didn't go the distance if I'm being completely candid, but with the way that we were setting up, I mean, everyone was so pressed forward that it was basically the fullbacks and Caicedo. Uh, so Gilchrist uh, and Gusto and Caicedo who were basically there to stop the counterattacking uh, that Preston were doing. And I thought there were plenty of opportunities when they would spray the ball out wide to his side where he had to go one-on-one and acquitted himself well, or at least, did enough to let DeSauce come in and help him, right? Which is, I think, part of the job, Brandon, that he uh, has and that all the young guys have is like when when to know when your help is there and and how to shepherd someone into an area where they're going to make, you know, potentially a mistake or put the ball out of play or something like that too. And so, you know, I think he acquitted himself very well. Again, you know, this is Preston. We, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves, but uh, could he be a legitimate presence in this team, especially if we're going to continue to have injuries at fullback, could he come in for 30 minutes or close out a match like he has been doing regularly? Yeah, I think so. Especially
1: on that right side, you know, it sounds like Trevor Chaliba is, is going to be leaving Chelsea. I mean, he hasn't featured at all. Can't get healthy though. So some issues there. It, this is one of those opportunities where is it his natural position? No. But look at the commitment level from him. He will play anywhere, and he would play in goal if that's what Poch needed him to do. And I think that's what you're going to get. He's. This is what we hear from Phil all the time. You know, Lewis Hall was a was a six or an eight for the academy Dev Squad, but then he'd come into the Premier League and the first team and play left back and do it well. So. I actually think this is better for Alfie because he doesn't have the height profile of a center back. And that's okay. This is an opportunity. And that's what you want to see. Mistake-free football. He's starting to get some, some taste for it, starting to check the boxes, get acclimated to it. And I think that is good. So, uh, again, no bad things with his performance. And, and that's great. Didn't need to be man of the match. You're right back. That's okay. Put it in a solid shift, which he did. But I tell you what, the big cameo, was coming from Michael Golding, 17 years young, out of nowhere. Could have almost scored if he would have gotten his feet set uh, a little bit better, Nick. <laughs> uh,
2: that would have been, been amazing.
1: But, like, you love hearing the crowd roar because Chelsea fans love the academy. Not that other teams don't, but we've had such a great relationship with the academy, even though a lot of you know players haven't always made it, but a 17-year-old plucked uh into this match and got involved centrally is a huge I feel like a trust statement from Potch.
0: I was gonna say this if you look at the fact too that he only has two matches played at PL two. <laughs> like that 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 is the like when you look at his FB ref profile, it's like okay, yeah, the dude does not have minutes beyond like a certain level of football and like that's a this is a massive step up.
2: Yeah it's a huge opportunity for him. You know, I I think on a day where Chelsea were were you know as comfortable as you could be with the performance that we put in two three nil up, my only question is why didn't we see him kind of enter the fray sooner? I mean, it's not as if Preston were a huge goal threat. You read the stats earlier, Brandon. I mean, they offered very little to the game. Four total shots, two on target. So you know, in in a world where uh, you know Enzo's still nursing a hernia injury and. Caicedo's clearly running on fumes and all that sort of stuff. Like it's more of a chance, I think, for these guys to to get involved because of the injury situation. Right. I mean, if Alex Matos was still here, he'd be playing, right? In in a match like this. And so I, I'm I'm hugely impressed that he was able to come on, especially given the lack of experience at kind of the PL two level that Dan just mentioned. But he's also like from a, a, a size profile looks big for a 17-year-old. I mean, he looks like a like his body is kind of already in a shape to to potentially make it at at a bigger kind of level. Uh, and so maybe he gets another chance in our next FA Cup game. Who knows? I mean, I think it's great that they're, you know, as Phil mentioned on the on the Academy special this week, I think it's great that they're in and around the first team, getting those opportunities to train and, you know, even having the potential carrot at the end to go, if you train well enough, you'll play a little bit in an FA Cup game. You know, I think for Alfie, for for Michael, like uh, playing for Chelsea in an FA Cup game has to be one of their like goals on their to on their to-do list and, and they both achieved that yesterday.
1: So has got uh Golding at five foot ten, which again for a non-defensive player is is a great height in in soccer football. Um he is definitely more of an attack-minded midfielder, but will run box to box. Um I mean look, this guy's been playing U-21 football as a 17-year-old this season. He's gone to the U17 World Championship with England in November, which is why he missed so many matches. But could you imagine that he did the, the, we talked about in the youth episode, they're doing that Premier League International Cup. So he just played Celtic and then rocks up for an FA Cup match a couple weeks later and gets minutes. Like he's had a wild fall and uh, was so close to getting that goal as well, like we said. So uh, again, just more excitement, more eyes on him, because I don't know if we've really talked about him, at least on our side, about players that have been on the bench, you know, he's been gone. So um, Potch definitely uh, shows that him and Neil Bath and the rest of the academy are talking because they wanted him to get this opportunity. Also, we needed midfielders. <laughs> yep. Last one Dan, captain, Levi Colwell over other experienced players. Potch seems to love the Cobham players when it comes to being captains. Did you find this interesting based on our lineup? That uh, he went with Levi. What are you kind of making of the captaincy uh, since Chilwell and Reese James seem to be missing a lot?
0: I I would have presumed that either Enzo or, or Sterling would have potentially been the captain in this match. Just you know, we we've seen Enzo wear the our man at previously this season, and we've seen you know like Sterling has you know captain multiple times uh, throughout his you know lengthy career. But I I love the fact that Pochettino is maybe assembling a little bit more this desire for all of the team to have that leading mentality to build that mental fortitude in the side that they have to think about the game as a captain to think about it as a leader on the pitch. I mean, I guess if I'm trying to come up with like the why did Poch do this versus the more senior player, Nick, that to me feels like the, the reasoning behind it is to really start to build an identity to build some mental you know mental strength in the moments that these you know players need it you know because we've seen some poor decisions you know across the the pitch across all of our players senior and non um from cobham from not you know over the last couple of you know matches last couple of months that this feels like probably a just you know an indoctrination effort <laughs> that Pochettino is undergoing
2: Well, I think first thought is this is a much better match to roll him out as a captain that than United away. I think that you know maybe was a little bit too much too soon uh, when you look back on it. Second thing though is like I think this shows that there's a huge amount of faith in him, right? He was just given the big new contract in the summer. You know, this clearly a player that everyone's identified as like. You know the guy, the next Reese James to roll through the academy. um, You know, after you know a a series of really great Cobham integrations into our squad, he's like the next guy. And if you think about where he's at, really, he's like fourth choice captain, right? Now, it's not his fault that first and second choice captain are both hurt um, and have been hurt for a long time, and that you know our third choice captain Connor Gallagher needs some rest, and he got some rest today, which is great. Uh, but it does instill, I think, a sense of responsibility for him moving forward as that center back role wearing the number 26. Right. Like there, there is, I think, you know, here's what can happen in your career if you continue to do all the right things. You could one day be the captain of Chelsea Football Club. Right. That's a big responsibility. It's a big deal. And hopefully it's something that is motivating to him, Brandon, because, you know, again, I think everyone sees. An incredible talent in there I think there have been times where he's played incredibly well this year I think there's times where he struggled this year as you would expect any sort of kind of younger profile player to do in the league but when when he has these opportunities I want to see him do what he did yesterday close down the space be vocal be a leader and he did uh, I think I think this was a, a relatively good performance it was a good win vibes were high. That's our third win in a row, right? Which is something that I don't think we've done this year to this point. I think, you know, this is the, the stretch where that we were hoping to see where you're starting to roll a few together. And so let's just hope that continues. I, I'm, I'm really pleased for him.
1: 20 years old, 21 end of next month. So when you say one day you might be able to one day before your 21st birthday, you might be able to captain Chelsea and an FA Cup match is a is a great, um, you know, framework to play off of. So, uh, again, I just think there's a bit of a pattern here. Interesting. I, I wonder what the conversation maybe is with Poch and the players behind that. It's not Sterling potentially Enzo. Enzo Enzo's also massively young, but he's a bigger player who's won a World Cup and, you know, carry can carry a lot more on his shoulders. Uh, but he's going with with another young player, Levi, who this is his first full season in the men's senior team at Chelsea. And uh, that's really cool that it seems like we talk about this project and these young players. Clearly, Potts is bought in because it would be easy for him to give it to Sterling. It'd be easy for him to not give it to Connor. They're going with these young players and, like, really betting heavy on them. And I think this is just another um, kind of, like, checkbox on that plan.
2: The the average age in the squad yesterday is twenty three years old.
1: Flat, <laughs> that's crazy,
2: right? And and of course you know Tiago doesn't start that game, but I think the oldest player in the squad is Raheem Sterling, and then Dessasi. Like that's it. You have young Alfie, young Levi, young Mallow, young Enzo, young Moises, young Mikhailo, young Cole, young Armando. <laughs> like. You know, it's 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 not that far off that the 20 year old would marshal the overall squad age of 23 forward. So it's you know, again, it's a really unique set of circumstances. Right. We haven't been this young in a long time. Chelsea have typically been side with a tremendous amount of experience, a couple 30 plus year olds in there leading the charge. You know, someone more experienced as captain. But I can only think that this would benefit him moving forward
1: without a doubt. It has yeah. to. Yeah, without a doubt, and and again, like DiSasi's twenty five, right? Raheem's he he's Raheem's an old 29. head, He's yeah. an old head in there, baby. So even then, you know, it's really like Raheem Sterling's the odd duck out on this one, and you know, Petrovic is is young as well. Where does he land at twenty four? You know, so um, yeah, twenty three is pretty <sighs> crazy. What is what is crazy though? I think Dan just to put the seal on this one is it. This isn't that far off from our best lineup either. Like, if you want to potentially bring a Nico Jackson into the squad, if you want to bring an Nkunku in, that's fine. Connor Gallagher, you're not really changing the average age. Like, this is Chelsea football club
0: as it stands today. We made the case. They are an under 23 side that is playing in the Premier League. And that comes with all of the good things sometimes, like uh, an abundance of energy and enthusiasm. It also comes with all of the bad things. And so we have to live with the reality that we're in, which is that it's a young side inexperienced at times. And going deep in this cup run, getting to more semifinals to finals in domestic cups, potentially winning one would be the best possible thing for this side. Get them accustomed to winning, you know, top level silverware early. It's a it's a be wonderful, wonderful thing. All right.
1: Well, let's go ahead and dig into that a little bit more. We're gonna take our last ad break when we get back. Again, a first half to forget, a second half to celebrate more on this one. Thank you to sponsors, and we'll bear it back. All right, coming out of the ad break, Nick, we have a packed week. You talked about it at the top of the episode, but we actually can shoot our shots here. Let's call them.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, look, just a casual five pod week. You're listening to Monday's episode right now, uh, Dan and Sam doing a Victor Oseman special just in case something wild and crazy happens during the January window. Uh, We will be back on Wednesday with the Borough match review uh, for the League Cup. Uh, Thursday, Brandon and Matt back in the saddle for the Matt Law special. And then Friday, of course, full of match uh, preview as we we come up toward the weekend. Uh, Lots going on this week. If you are like, hey, I'm like, not getting enough, or I want to see another sort of episode, you can always email us and be like, why aren't you guys talking about this, that, or the other thing? We have some special episodes coming up that are not necessarily match-related as well, but we're always open to your ideas, so let us know. Uh,
1: All right. Well, back to the match here. At the end of the day, we got the result and we advanced. First half wasn't pretty, but it's knockout tournament football. you got to get the result done. I think, Dan, if Again, I talked about the competition earlier, and it's like if you go from usually playing at a high breakneck speed of the Premier League and you slow it down to the championship, which is usually more physical, less technical, long ball oriented, they were they even changed their formation to be way more defensive. I think it's natural that you're going to struggle, right? Because it's just different. And you got to think about like the way they see the game, the way they play the game is also way different than an Everton, a Palace, a Luton. So um, Chelsea struggled a bit in the first half but it never really felt like we were out of control or like on the brink of blowing it. Or did you feel concerned at times?
0: (laughs) How worried were you? I I personally was not concerned. I think I understand and empathize with the thought that like this was not fun to watch. I, I would agree with that. It was not a fun first half to watch because- a lot of the things that we were attempting just weren't coming off. Some of the passing angles that we were, we're trying to kind of find in those moments weren't coming to fruition. There were a couple of advances forward into the box by, by Sterling or Palmer, some shots that bounced odd, didn't necessarily test the keeper maybe as fully as we would like. So we were accumulating these shots. We were accumulating these chances. We were just, it felt like the, the standard recipe for a disappointing day out for Chelsea. And so I, I, I would say that makes sense to me, but it's also exactly what you would want if you're Preston to do and come in is to frustrate Chelsea for as long as they possibly can, potentially get a counter, potentially get a dead ball opportunity, whether that's a you know, set piece or a free kick near, in and around the box, and just absolutely steal a goal, steal results. Like, so they executed their, their playbook exactly how they wanted to. That frustrated Chelsea. And really, you know... Th- there wasn't necessarily enough coming off in that first half to make you excited, but I I didn't need two full halves of great football, Nick. I just needed the one. And I, I get being frustrated about like the fact that it took as long as it did, the fact that it wasn't more comfortable earlier in the match, but I don't know. I mean, I'm not accustomed to this side anymore, just being able to will a goal out of nothing. And so I understand that it takes. it's going to take time to chisel the stone to see the statue underneath. And it's just not necessarily something that is quick and easy anymore.
2: Yeah, it's a little bit concerning, though, when you're going to play another championship side coming up, right, and, and borrow for a, a couple of matches uh, for the League Cup that, you know, this team with a week's rest, I mean, which is, you know, again, after the festive fixture period, I expected him to be fired out of a cannon, um, you know, with a week's rest and be a lot more prepared to deal with what Preston were going to throw at us. And they they finally got there in the second half. They started to attack through crosses and through the width of the team. But the first half, it was like they were trying to dribble through all 11 players to get a chance on target. And it just looked woefully, The team looked woefully underprepared. The tactics weren't right. The players were in the wrong positions. And it does worry you um, because this is a knockout competition. You only get one chance at this. Uh, Whether, you know, the the team, the players, the coaches have the right sort of mentality. Now, Preston luckily didn't make us pay for any of that in the first half. They were, you know, just kind of out there running around, but... I was pretty worried, Brandon, and with the way that we, you know, played the first sixty minutes, it it just wasn't—it wasn't what you'd hope for, you know, to continue to build momentum, you know, straight out of the gate. And I think the fans were rightfully kind of miffed about that as well. I mean, I I can
1: definitely understand frustration. Um, Like I said, I, I definitely stacked to the point of like when you look at it, we were getting into the box. Preston, they were defending very oddly. How many times did we get in the box? There's so many, like, awkward... They would kind of put in a tackle. It would ricochet. Someone is just... They were really just trying to take a touch that would get through that back line. But we didn't have any threats until the second half when we started crossing, right? Everything we were doing, Nick, was vertical. Everything was straight at them, straight down the box, between the width of the 18... To that point, it was definitely not working. Love to see the changes in the second half. Got some crosses in, scored. Um, to, to your point, though, uh, we we did watch a ton of chances go missing. And I said earlier, we missed six of our seven <laughs> big chances. The huge, I think, positive from this one, though, Dan, are the dead, the set piece goals we did score, right? Obviously, Raheem Sterling on a free kick. That was a phenomenal free kick clearly been practicing something like that scoring off a corner problem is it's not like raheem's hitting 10 free kicks in a season we're scoring one out of every three matches from a corner so maybe this will help boost that confidence
2: it's a it's a really interesting point really quick though it's like how many times have we had a free kick in that area this season like i can count like five or six. Like it doesn't happen very often. We don't typically get fouled in that area to have those opportunities. Or at least that my memory can, can jog here. And You know, I I remember when Marcus Alonso played for us, it seemed like we had two or three of those a match where we would kind of set up and do the whole routine, Dan. And so it did kind of throw me back like, man, those are dangerous if you if you can manufacture them.
0: Well, I mean, there was the opportunity for Raheem to take a second one in the game where Reese James took it. And, you know, that was also the game where he got his first free kick goal of the season. So. I mean, yes, it is beneficial that we are making use of opportunities that should net you at least a shot on target at minimum, and should then likely lead to some type of goal. I, I think that we are still not as comprehensively good on in those dead ball moments on those corners. Uh, I mean, I actually, I think it was one of the good bits of commentary during the game was they highlighted that Thiago Silva on the moving of the wall. Was very helpful in making sure that like the line, the 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 view for the goalkeeper was completely obstructed, so that he did not have an easy time reading the flight of the ball. Like those are the things that I think we just need, at at an overall level, some type of set piece coach, some type of individual who is primarily focused on that, who's a specialist in that area, would wield some real net positive outcomes, Brandon. Because I think ultimately, like that would be. If we could do this multiple times, like, hey, one every other game or, one you know, once per game, like, that would be a much better trend line to operate off of than the kind of randomness that we're getting from this right now.
1: Obviously, this is our first match in the FA Cup, so there's really no stats on it. Uh, in the EFL Cup, Carabao, um, we have zero free kick goals from one free kick, and then the Premier League gets one from 13. So to your point, Nick, we could go look at what the other teams are, but... 13 total, Um, that's definitely less than one match and probably, you know, a lot closer to every other match or even getting a free kick shot opportunity uh, to play there. Um, Jackson obviously now gone until, you know, February at some point. Interesting on this one, Nick. Three weeks ago, no one cares. Two weeks ago, okay, now we care again. He scored. It's like (laughs) he has been really inconsistent, but is the top goal scorer on the team, you know, thoughts like how big of a miss was he? Broya today had a, you know, scored, but I think people were looking for a little bit more. The last match, Broya was more of a decoy. We talked about, we felt like, what are your thoughts on Jackson being missing in terms of this team scoring goals?
2: Um, look, I, I would rather have him here than not. Let's just be straightforward in what we're going to say. Like, I'd rather he be here and be an option. Um, I think that, you know, we were kind of chatting with, you know, in the in the WhatsApp group during the game that it did not seem as if Broya was totally locked in until, um, you know, kind of a few minutes before the goal where we started to figure out how to attack that team and he started to get in better positions. I thought he played – a really good you know 30 minutes there in the second half where he was in dangerous positions probably could have had a hat trick if if the ball bounces right for him yesterday in that in that second half and so for me I what's worrying and we'll talk about this in the next segment is is the injury right because if he's out for any period of time you're really just relying on on broya which puts a hell of a workload on him you know we have five more matches this month you know with the additional fa cup game the league cup game fulham and liverpool so this is you know it's potentially a huge workload but i think what i saw is a player that adapted to the situation scored his scored his chance like right, got us off the off the board and started playing much better football in the second half when it looked pretty bad for 60 minutes. Um, I'm curious, Dan, if he begins to get more acclimated to the way his teammates play because he's been so sparsely used this year, Uh, and if his performances begin to pick up because he has a better understanding with, you know, Mudra crossing the ball in what that looks like versus Cole Palmer crossing an end versus, you know, potentially Raheem Sterling playing balls, you know, in behind all that sort of stuff.
0: Yeah. I mean, he has, you know, made, I guess some appearances, but again, it's, it's not necessarily like it, it is a run of 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. Like he, you know, has made an appearance in all of those last couple of matches, whether or not that was a, Uh, That was three starts out of those and uh, then two substitute appearances, one for 16 minutes, one for 20 minutes. And so I think you would argue at about 400 or so minutes across all competitions. Like that's not necessarily a whole lot of game time, but... mean he is the guy he is the option right now you know if we in kunku who we'll talk about shortly is you know not necessarily a 100 percent ready to go like he will likely start against middlesbrough in in midweek like that would be something to consider he might get an opportunity to start against fulham and those are opportunities that he should look to be taking advantage of i mean when he was playing for southampton i mean he got uh, just under two thousand minutes in that season when he was on loan, six goals before uh, obviously he got uh, you know, injured. So I mean that, that definitely put him in a, in a bad shape there. But it'll be really interesting to see if that chemistry can develop, if he can find some consistency. Uh, you know, if if people could continue like Malagusto to cross the ball into the top of his head and just let him fire him in from there, I'm okay with that too because that totally works. Uh, that was a I'm in the right spot. I just need somebody to set me up. Uh, it's like basketball, right? Like the alley oop, right? I just need the ball in the right area and I will put it, I'll put it in the net. And that's exactly what he
1: did. Goals, goals, goals. We cannot forget how much we've struggled there. So whoever's ready to step up, come on down. We are ready. One of the things that is is becoming a bigger concern across the club are these injuries. But not only that, it's like playing injured players right, and that are causing more injuries. Lavia made his debut, left injured, have not seen since. That is, like, the big one. The worst news ever from the women's camp, the warm weather training, and Sam Kerr out with an ACL. The the injuries we've talked about all season, right? I've asked Matt Law, we've asked Naz multiple times. What's going on with the medical department? No one will really say anything. Yet again, we're playing Enzo, who... Has limp is been limited minutes because of this hernia. Malagusto goes full ninety, and he's our only fit fullback. I, these these are concerns, right? And Kunku injured after training, so I guess Dan with or Nick go ahead with the balance of of this. Like we're checking lineups, going oh god, who who's on the sheet? Are they gonna finish the match healthy? We didn't make subs. You know these guys are playing. Essentially, full matches. We're just we're on a knife's edge right now.
2: Yeah, it, it's really scary, honestly, because it's not just the injuries, right? The injuries it uh, you know, will you know, in Kunku we'll talk about next, but like it's the knock-on effects of having to play players more than you would have played them because you don't have a like-for-like sub to bring in in their place for 30 minutes, right? But that, I think yesterday was the first forced rest that Gallagher's had all season, <laughs> like. <laughs> I mean, it's It's honestly fucking crazy to think about. And, you know, you you think about the knock-on effect of Broya potentially having to play six, seven matches in a row when he hasn't played all year and what that does for him. Maybe it plays him into full fitness. Maybe he's feeling as strong and healthy as ever. Or maybe it puts him in the red zone again, right, where he's more likely to get injured. Same with Caicedo. You really worry about the midfield right now, Enzo's not fully fit. Caicedo's been on fumes. Gallagher's been on fumes. You have no other, you know, except for Academy players, maybe Andre Santos, although that seems not likely that he's going to play a role this season for Chelsea. Like, it's just, the whole thing is really concerning to me, Dan. And, like, it's it's not just about the 10 or now 11 players that are on the injury list. It, it's, it's about the knock-on effects to everyone who has to, do extra duty in their in their stead
0: yeah every player who's out injured and this i think ties back to the conversation we've been having about the suspensions through cards i mean through card accumulation like we can't afford to miss players for stupid reasons when we're missing so many players for actual legitimate injury concerns yes
1: (laughs) i was wondering how we're going to differentiate those two
0: uh you know versus the uh the the impromptu stomach bug uh look i mean ultimately it's just a a matter of making sure that we we come to some solution for it you would imagine that this is has to be on the top of the sporting directors and the clubs um list of things to take care of because ultimately like if you know in in venture capital like investments protecting your investment is a very important thing the contracts, the contracts for these players are a part of that investment. And repeat injury, long term injury is not good for their investment in the players, their investment in the club, the return potentially on the investment. And so I think just, just from that view of it, like, you know, we don't necessarily view it as an investment. We view it as supporters, as our, as our club and as our, our fandom. And we are just wanting the players to be healthy so that Chelsea can be the most competitive thing, uh, competitive team across all competitions that they're in. It will be interesting to see, though, you know, th- I think this relates to some of the fatigue we've seen. I do think Poch, you know, I mean, could he have said, hey, you know, we're up 3-0, I'm going to risk, you know, maybe putting someone on a little bit earlier? Like, that could have been a question. So, I mean, ultimately, these are things where, like, yes, the club has some control, Poch does also have some control, too, and finding the appropriate bounce in the game state to say, hey, I can take the risk pulling off a player, uh, you know, like, do, you know, Putting on Silva, right? Like, yes, he gets a goal. Yes, he kind of organizes it. Like, getting Silva minutes of rest this season is going to be important. Getting, you know, Levi, you know, who has not had a ton of rest, you know, uh, uh, would be an opportunity too. So, like, it's going to be really interesting to watch Brandon. I think we'll just have to keep an eye on it to see how the club and Poch tackles this.
1: Well, uh, of course, are they going to? Is you. As you look to the transfer window, it's are, are they going to stick with what they have? Knowing, to your point, the assets, the players, they got the ones they wanted. We're obviously not going to win the league. We're obviously not going to get in the Champions League. Do you just keep the cohesive unit, try to get to the end of the season, get as many people healthy so you start next season fresh? Who knows? Uh, but again, Nick, we had another step back with, with Nkunku getting injured allegedly after training. Maybe he was working too hard on some, some stuff on his own. And now we're conflicting reports of three weeks three weeks out or ready for Middlesbrough slash Fulham, which has completely set fans in all sorts of directions. So uh, the bigger problem is most dangerous goal-scoring threat, especially with Jackson out, now injured, return date TBD.
2: Yeah, it's a, it's a real bummer because, you know, to replace Jackson, you, you're using Armando Broy who's coming off his own injury and Christopher Nkunku is coming off of his injury. I think most of us realized heading into January that it would be you know a combination of those guys to to take us over of the line and get it, until we can get Jackson back assuming that he comes back healthy knock on wood um, oh, great forgot about yeah. that love international yeah. football <laughs> yep uh, and so there's real risk right now I mean this is potentially you know Dan said on the knife earlier like this is a real problem, right? I think you could you know in, in this instance if Nkunku is out for three weeks which basically takes you to the end of January maybe Jackson comes back or whatever but like I think you probably see Cole Palmer play a false nine if if we can't you know play Armando Broya up top for you know too many consecutive matches and you're not gonna have Inkunku as an option up there you know we've seen Raz play a false nine before it didn't really work you know I don't know if any of our other profiles of of forwards outside of Cole Palmer really work as a false nine and so it's probably the case where you're pushing someone like Gallagher or Enzo up into the number 10 spot and flanking him with with Raz Matuake, Mudrick and then playing Palmer as kind of the link between all those players and and looking to get in behind from a wide perspective kind of like we did against Arsenal uh, when, when he played that role. And so I, I'm, I'm worried about this flat out. I'm, I really am because I, I think the last thing that we need right now is another injury setback for Nkunku that puts more time between him and the pitch and then putting a ton of that pressure on Broya to be the only legitimate striker that we have at the club. So tough, tough spot for everyone to be in.
1: Crucial is what you could even say Dan. Uh big overarching problems. There's a lot of balancing act. This is why the season's not going from strength to strength. There's always something interfering with our progress with our consistency.
0: Yeah, no, this is uh not the the bullet train from uh you know start of the season to success. This is the bus uh your your regular city bus making 20 stops to go 2 miles. Like this is a, a pretty pretty slow and laborious process to get from point A to point uh, Z, as our friends across the pond would say. And so ultimately, like, I do feel like we've seen conflicting reports with the Nkunku piece. Like, he might be available for Middlesbrough. He might be available for Fulham. I do think then it becomes a question of how much do you want to risk him, knowing that you do have to bridge the remainder of the month with another FA Cup match, with a Liverpool match, who they might l- likely be without Mo Salah. So that is a positive on our end as well. So, like, there, there are benefits to the subtractions that we're facing because other teams are also facing those. But getting through this period, deciding if you want to go in and get a stopgap solution, I, I don't know. Like, I've looked at the market. Sam and I have looked at the market to try to evaluate who Chelsea could bring in this January. And It's not a lot of good options. And January is the overpay period. We've seen this before. We've been victims of it very recently in terms of having to pay more than maybe the market value of a player to get a deal done in this period. And so, you know, I think Chelsea will hopefully be smart about this and try to feel like they can make a long-term decision. But part of that will be is if we are advancing in cup into cup finals, if we are advancing in the cup, like that will probably put us a little less in the panic button scenario heading into the end of the month. Well, there's a
1: lot that's going to be happening in January. Uh, again, I've already prepped Matt, right? I told Matt, we're not talking about anything but transfers this month. So buckle up, big guy. <laughs> he said he's ready. So uh, we'll talk all transfers with him. Obviously, Nick did with Naz. So if you want to go get ahead of that, uh, go check out the the pod feed. Uh, just so everyone's on the same page, the draw for the Emirates FA Cup fourth round will be broadcast uh, on Monday, the 8th of January. I believe it'll be right before or after the match. Um, there is one on Monday. So uh, we'll know more then. But there's a lot of replays that have to happen uh before we get to that though dan in the match look it happens dan don't don't worry
0: about it look it was con drafts it I happens was, look i'm busy packing boxes to move man whoa, like i <laughs> whoa whoa i don't know what to tell you i don't know what to tell you i, I should be some bing x cryptocurrency to buy someone to come in to uh help me out with that but look uh wow. i think it was probably malo gusto personally um but raheem sterling was sofa scorers Man of the match with a a nine point eight out of ten. I I don't know if I fully Hard agree to beat. With that. I think, I think it was Gusto. Interesting. Well,
1: Gusto is a seven three from SofaScore too, so a bit of a drop. Enzo eight one. He he would have been your second place person, uh, but those are just numbers, Nick.
2: Yeah, I, I think Sterling got the official man of the match, right? So I'm sure, yeah. yeah. You know, so I, I'm I'm yeah. fine with that. I'm fine if Sterling gets it.
1: All right. Uh, look, other results. There are a ton. I'm not going to go through all of these because it's literally on multiple pages. Um, there, it's it's the it's a big round, right? There's a lot of wins, a couple upsets. You know, like everyone said. Uh, if anything, you talk about shithouse moment, Nick. The fact that uh, Sunderland decked out their club's pub for Newcastle with Newcastle slogans. I thought that was pretty hilarious. They are bitter rivals. They are in the same city. <laughs> what, and what is, what is happening? <laughs> I don't know.
0: I, the I magic of the cup. Com- yeah, I expected Nick, that we, to be can, can a we get war. a what are we even doing here from you?
2: What are we even doing here, guys? Uh, look, I, I think the like I expected that to be a full-on war, and it was just a slap fight, and Newcastle just buried him. And first time they had played in eight years, I think, wow. or something. I think that was the stat I could be wrong, but you know, obviously they've been in different divisions for a long time, and like you only would then get the cups to potentially meet up. and that's what it is. like that that's a blood rival. like that <laughs> those two hate each other. That's like United Liverpool, that's Chelsea Tottenham. That's like it, we would never deck out Frankies for the Spurs fans. exactly. Like, like what? <laughs> that's crazy.
1: It was uh, Patrick Bamford, former Blue, uh, oh. taking a long ball off his chest, turning <laughs> and smashing. Had no business doing that. <laughs> so uh, Leeds beating Peterborough three uh, nothing. Wrexham. Uh, Ryan Reynolds' favorite team (laughs) advancing, so the U.S. audience will be clearly engaged. Uh, Other than that, Liverpool beating Arsenal 2-0 today. United, Manchester United, and Wigan are the last match of the round, but uh, at least five replays already with Everton and Crystal Palace making their lives more difficult unnecessarily. Wolves-Brentford as well.
2: Yeah, Maidstone, uh, I think it's the lowest... Uh, ranked team left in the competition. They beat Stevenage 1-0. So, huge shout-outs to them. We talk about the madness and the magic of the FA Cup. It's all that sort of stuff that that makes it fun and interesting. And, uh, and look, I mean, w- one shout, because they're coming up. Middlesbrough gave Villa a hell of a game yesterday. Um, this is not going to be an easy team. I think uh, Michael Carrick, uh, in charge of Middlesbrough, by all accounts, doing an incredible job. So, we gotta, we gotta be aware for that cup competition. I don't think they're gonna go quietly into the good night. Yep,
1: and that's exactly what we have on the ninth. Only two days off before we're back playing again. Chelsea fans do not rest. But uh, to wrap up here, like I said, the draw is taking place on Monday. We are ball number twenty-five. Uh, look, Dan, the goal is to avoid permanent league competition again as we advance. I wouldn't even be able to tell you who some of the smallest teams are other than Nick telling me that Maidstone are the lowest remaining. So anyone bottom half of championship or below is pretty much what you would hope to see.
2: And that's the weekend of the 27th, I think? That's correct.
0: That would be it placed in between um, you know, our, our second round, our second match, second leg of the Middlesbrough and our match against Liverpool at the end of the month. So it would add one more fixture before the end of January. Because why not? Because we don't have any international breaks this month. We have international breaks starting next month. So like, let's just pack in a couple extra here now.
1: December was slow, so they're catching up. Making up for lost time, no doubt. Slow. <laughs> all right. Well, hey. Okay. Hope you've all enjoyed it. FA Cup magic. We're back. We're advancing. Uh, win and move on. That's the theme for this one. A second domestic cup trophy um i guess cup and trophy are a little bit uh synonymous probably couldn't could have just skipped one but hey
2: we got a lot of pods
1: we got a lot we got a lot of pods this week coming up i'm just trying to rest uh guys it was great to chat with you listeners again if you want to get more involved and 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 just find yourself community discord again the biggest way to go do that um, we're going to continue to stay hot with, like I said, another five-pod week. January is here. So any way you can help support us and grow it is big. Any final thoughts from either one of you? Else, bro. Keep it simple. Kiss method. All right, Chills fans, that's going to do it from us. So until next time, you know what to do. With the blue flag flying high.